you're looking for one word which speaks to uh, uh, the Civil War, what it comes to mean uh, to everybody, I think it's I think it's freedom. It's hard to to just pinpoint one word. Bloody probably is the word that comes to mind. Well, horrific would be one. Heroic, worthwhile. It's the American tragedy. America, dangerous encounter. Unintended, fortunate consequences. You know, so let me unpack that a little bit. Nobody foresaw the war that actually occurred. If you told anybody in 1860 that there's going to be a war that's going to last four years and kill the equivalent of six million people today and end the largest monocopter system of slavery in the modern world, nobody would believe it. The woman there, still not a dust. You know what the foundation of it is truth. I'm finished. That's my word. All right. Well, there you had a couple of uh, quotes and so on from uh, the History Channel on what the Civil War meant or what it was about. Um, I just want to, you know, go over a few things um, to set the show, I guess. So, the first uh, thing we're going to get to in a little bit is the downfall of every great empire has been a weak leader. Uh, Trump was scarred for life and Frederick Douglass's 4th of July speech. There are links uh, in the description to a lot of the things I'm going to talk to you about. Now, there's one pretty cool thing before we get into all the BS and such. And that is... Um, Excuse me. People have, uh, while well, I was going through the headlines and the news, people have found ways to make um, things like outdated aircraft that can't be used for flight anymore into homes. Can you believe that? They're turning old airplanes into homes. And there's some pretty cool pictures. It says, uh, the title of it is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And you can go through this slideshow of, uh, pictures of what people have taken and turned into houses or mobile homes. Somebody took an old ambulance and uh, they put a, like a ladder so you can go up to the top and sit on the roof. They gutted the in, wasn't really gut much, but they took all the insides and they put a little like a propane stove in there and, uh, Use, use the benches where the paramedics would sit normally uh, as, you know, like a couch. And they have a, a bunk bed rigged up in there. And because it's the back of an ambulance, it's well lit. And it's got the <clears throat> electrical capabilities to, you know, hold all this stuff because it's wired for, you know, uh, medical use and things of that nature. Uh, and then people take like old railroad cars. I'm sure this isn't cheap, but 
you know, take all the insides out, or a lot of times the insides have been taken out and sold for scrap, and uh, <clears throat> railroad car is just uh, a shell of itself. And, uh, you know, I imagine it would cost just as much to, as you would spend, you know, remodeling an old house. Uh, there's somebody that took a city bus and turned it into a nice living space. Um, if you don't mind living in a rectangle. And here's one where it's the outside of an airplane. Uh, you know, the tail section cut off. And then they cover that over with something. And, you know, you can put a lot in there. A lot more room than what you realize, probably. But they've got some of the... Uh, <clears throat> the old uh, airplane seats that they put a table in between and turn the seats facing each other. You know, it's pretty cool. One airplane still has the whole cockpit and instrument panel. And then when you look at it from another angle, it's, uh, you know, like the inside of a home. Now, a lot of people are doing this thing now with uh, miniature homes, small homes. There's one here that's, uh, looks like they use the landing gear and put them on cement pillars. And they have a fully intact airplane. Uh, the wings have been trimmed off a little bit, but, you know, there's still the three jet engines, or the outside of them anyways, attached to the back of, uh, tail section of the plane. Uh, and then you go inside, and it's just like a, a living quarters, you know. But uh, like I was saying, people are doing this, you know, mini home thing, because, like, more people are staying single. They're still fathering and mothering children, but, you know, the the house with the Brady Bunch or whoever uh, is gone by the wayside with mom and dad and 2.5 kids. You might have 2.5 kids, but you don't have a mom and a dad under the same roof half the time. Whatever. Another big, uh, the biggest thing in news aside, outside of politics was uh, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Can Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs, signed a record-breaking deal. If I can get these stupid ads to quit popping around every time I scroll, Mahomes signs. The richest contract in history of U.S. sports. Uh, this is Market Watch is the source. It says it's worth $503 million. I heard it was worth $400 million. But, uh, come on. How do they expect you to read an article if every time you scroll, it pops down a thing that says ad choices? I don't want to choose ads. I want to choose the damn article. And by the way, Tom Selleck is 75 years old. So, Patrick Mahomes, 24-year-old quarterback who led the Kansas City Chiefs to a Super Bowl was rewarded with a 10-year contract extension worth half a billion dollars. Uh, this young guy is going to make a lot of money for the Chiefs with ticket sales and merchandise sales. So this doesn't really shock me. The, the, the number is shocking. But... You know, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, the 
total number, 503, is shocking. He gets $477 million in guaranteed mechanisms. And the ability to have outs if guaranteed mechanisms aren't exercised. There's a no-trade clause. And the first half-billion-dollar player in sports history. So, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's only a game. It's only football. But it's not. It's business. It's it's business. And so, um, in business, you know, if you're going to make the team uh, owner a billion dollars, then you're worth at least half that, right? Makes sense. So, that's how it is and who it is. A wazi, a woozy, fugazi, a fugazi. Um, so, Donald Trump's niece has been trying to release this book. Uh, and it's got a very uh, dis dislike for Donald Trump. Uh, I've talked about it before. Um, and I was trying to find the title of it. But whatever. It's not important. You can look it up. Um, here we go with the advertisements again. So, uh, the headline from the Washington Post, that didn't help any, is, um, ads, ads, ads. Well, anyways, Trump's worldview forged by neglect and trauma at home, his niece says in a new book. There, finally, we'll get the title of the article out. The article goes on to say uh, a tell all book by President Trump's niece describes a family riven by a series of traumas. Ex- Exaggerated by a daunting patriarch who destroyed Donald Trump by short-circuiting his, de- his ability to ve- develop and destroyed his development ability to develop and experience the entire spectrum of human emotion according to a copy of the forthcoming memoir obtained by the Washington Post. So, basically, this Nancy Trump, her father has been trying to block this book because uh, of some estate issues that the family's trying to clean up and whether uh, this is going to interfere with the estate getting finalized. And so It's basically a hit piece. The article and the book are meant to hurt Trump's re-election. But, so according to the fourth kind memoir, in other words, it was leaked to the Washington Post. Uh, 
so that they could do damage to Trump since the book may not get published before the election. President Trump's view of the world was shaped by his desire during childhood to avoid his father's disapproval, according to his niece, Mary Trump. Mary Trump, I think I called her Nancy. Uh, her name is Mary. Uh, whose book is by turns, whose book is by turns a family history and psychological analysis of her uncle, Mary's father, Fred Jr., the president's older brother, died of an alcohol-related illness when she was 16 in 1981. The president told the Washington Post last year that he and his father both pushed Fred Jr. to try to go into the family business, which Trump said he now regrets. Yeah, there's a a story about Donald Trump um, back when he was doing his celebrity apprentice uh, before he was even in the presidential mix. Uh, he doesn't drink alcohol. I don't even think it, I don't, I think I heard he doesn't even drink coffee. That, you know, he only drinks water and Diet Coke. Mostly Diet Coke, from what some media outlets will report. Um, Donald escaped his, back to the article, Donald escaped his father's scorn and ridicule, Mary wrote, because his personality served his father's purpose. That's what psychopaths do. Okay, so I want to make sure this is clear. Mary wrote because, quote, his personality served his father's purpose. That's what psychopaths do. They co-opt others and use them toward their own ends, ruthlessly and efficiently, with no tolerance for dissent or resistance, end quote. The president, Mary Trump, wrote, is a product of domineering a domineering father and was actually aware of avoiding the scorn that he heaped on his older brother called Freddie Trump writes Mary Trump wrote that by the way not Donald by limiting Donald's access to his own feelings and rendering many of them unacceptable Fred perverted his son's perception of the world and damaged his ability to live in it. Uh, so they're trying to paint, you know, Trump as somebody that can't live like us normal human beings uh, because of his father's um, psychological abuse and ridicule. Um, the point I was going to earlier... Um, I kind of moved too quickly. Uh, his brother Fred was a, a bad alcoholic. And I kind of gained more respect for Donald when I found out that he doesn't drink alcohol and uh, partake in things like that because of his brother Fred's al alcohol disease, alcohol alcoholism alcoholic disease, whatever. So, you know, when everyone was hating on Trump for the, you know, arrogance of his, you're fired and the apprentice and the celebrity apprentice and all those reality TV shows, I actually kind of gained res more respect for him when I found out, you know, he doesn't even drink alcohol because of, uh, he saw what it did to his brother. Now, this Mary Trump argues that, you know, their father being so overbearing and over-domineering is what led to Donald Trump being uh, an unemotional person, which I don't see that. Um, he's not 
a real, real emotional person when it comes to, like, you know, touchy, feely, sadness things. Uh, but I don't think that means he doesn't care. I think he just doesn't know how to express it or is just one of those people that doesn't express their feelings as well as others. So I, it could be because of the way his father was. Uh, does this make him incapable of leading the nation or make him incapable of being a, a president? Uh, absolutely not. And of course, you know, that's what the Washington Times and what this Mary Trump are saying. Uh, frankly, you know, Trump has not gotten us into any wars. Uh, you know, Hillary said we were heading towards a war with Russia. And if anything, it was more evidence that her campaign was cahooting with Russia than there was evidence that the Trump campaign was. Uh, and, uh, Barack Obama told Trump as Trump was coming in and Obama was going out that we were headed towards war with North Korea. Now, Trump has kept us out of both of those wars that we we're supposedly headed towards. And at the same time, North Korea has backed off its aggressions significantly. So that that's something to be considered. Um, yeah, there was a meme, 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 meme going around the internet uh, after the inauguration, and it showed um, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, you know, walking through some doorway, holding hands, and, you know, Donald is just walking through the doorway, and Melania is walking behind him, and, you know, well, real men hold hands with their wives. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of pictures of him and Melania holding hands. Uh, I don't see where the, I mean, not that the Obamas are excessively, you know, a public display of affection couple, but how, you know, Donald and Melania not being, uh, uh, holding hands in public as often as the Obamas or in one picture uh, how that makes Trump uh, a person that's not affectionate or doesn't love his wife or his kids or his country for that matter. Uh, so, really, what uh, I want to get at is, you know, Trump has... Okay, first I said Trump's kept us out of wars. I think it takes a stronger president to not engage in a war... When nobody knows what we are going to war with North Korea and Russia over. Um, yeah, North Korea had been developing uh, weapons. But we were also told by the intelligence community that uh, Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. And when our troops got there, there was nothing. Nothing that we were told was there. Uh, nothing that we were told was there was there. So, do we go into another war with North Korea on a hunch? And it was more than a hunch that they were developing uh, a nuclear weapon program. But, you know, I mean, Trump was the first American president to ever walk across the demilitarized zone from South Korea into North Korea. That takes a lot of strength. You know, Trump went and sat in a room with Vladimir Putin um, alone. Uh, maybe there were some advisors in there or other people, but with no media 
Actually, I think there were no advisors allowed, maybe translators, which I don't think Putin speaks English. But they sat there and talked, you know, for a half an hour or an hour, just, you know, man to man. Uh, they came out and did a press conference. Trump was not soft on Russia, and Putin was certainly not soft towards Trump. But there was no war with Russia like Hillary Clinton wanted. The point to all of this, uh, aside from the book, uh, um, you know, that's just a, a hit piece, and I wanted to make people aware of it. Um, it. Really, when it comes to the book, okay, for the liberal press, if Donald Trump was a victim of this sociopathic way of his father and how his father would uh, suppressed emotions in his children any if it were anyone else other than trump the liberals would be jumping on this going oh he overcame so much oh oh my our, our hearts our pitter patter of our little hearts must go out to donald trump if he were a democrat but because he's a Republican, no, 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 no. This is being presented as Trump has this evil, warped, heartless view. He's heartless, you know, view of the world. And it was all shaped by his father. But we're not supposed to feel sorry for Trump. No, no, no. No, this is more cannon fodder. Cannon fodder. To say we shouldn't reelect Trump because, you know, he ha he maybe he has emotional baggage, you know. Oh, he's, uh, you know, he's a maniac because of what his father did to him. Okay, now if it was any liberal, any Democrat president. Uh, in fact, I'll point out one example: Bill Clinton was supposedly had. An abusive father, right? Remember when Roger Clinton, <laughs> the uh, failed country music guitarist and singer, uh, brother of uh, Bill Clinton, you know, said, "Oh, I remember the night that that Bill punched Daddy and and threw him out of the trailer, or whatever the hell they were living in, uh, because our dad was a bad person." Um, well, you know, we were all supposed to, uh, look up to Bill Clinton, at, you know, because in Roger's eyes, he was heroic. Uh, and Roger Clinton said that he gave Bill the nickname Bubba because, uh, he, he, Bill was Roger's big brother. He was my Bubba. He protected me. <clears throat> and, uh. On the other hand, you know, we're going to be told we shouldn't believe Trump, that he has a warped view of the world because his father may have been a sociopath. Well, did his father ever hurt anyone? Not that I've ever heard. Did You know, sociopaths uh, tend to go on rampages and shoot up schools. Uh, Trump and his father never did that, and I'm not sure what qualifies this Mary Trump to deem her uncle a sociopath. So uh, we'll we'll see where this goes. It's been leaked to the press, and I'm sure it's not the last we'll hear of it. And it's meant to make the Donald look bad, 
uh, towards the coming election. But what I wanted to get into is, you know, Trump has shown strength in the face of the world, uh, in the face of Russia and in North Korea, and has shown the ability to negotiate strongly with these nations to rein them in versus letting them, you know, run amok. Uh, you know, he's been strong on China. Uh, he may... Um, ban some Chinese-based apps, some phone apps, because of China's spying. And they might be using these apps to spy on American people uh, or something like that. So Trump has been strong but not warlike. And the the deep state, the military-industrial complex doesn't like that. A teacher of mine in high school always told us, uh, he was our government, one of our government teachers, uh, he said that the downfall of every great empire is a weak leader. Now you have Joe Biden, who he and his family have gotten billions of dollars from a Ukrainian gas company, from the Chinese government, through you know backroom political dealings. Uh, you have Trump, who's lost two billion dollars in his personal wealth while he's been president, because he's not played Washington politics games. Washington's political games is a better way of saying it. Uh, he's not used his position to get him and his family any significant amount of money. So while the Bidens have gotten rich, Trump has gotten less rich. He's still a billionaire, but... Uh, then you look at Joe Biden's mental dis, uh, state. Uh, I, did, I haven't seen the video yet, but in a legitimate press conference, a reporter asked him about his cognitive decline, and he admitted, uh, I haven't seen the video yet, I just read some of the caption, but he admitted that he is a little slower and if you watch his, you know, 30 and, you know, 20, 30, 40-year-old videos of his political career, he's always been prone to gaffing and putting his foot in his mouth. And he's, he admits that he's getting worse at it, that he's not as sharp, he's not as quick as he used to be. Is that really what you want for your president? Because what will happen, the lobbyist the military-industrial complex, the deep state, if you will, will be the ones running things from behind the, the scenes. And, you know, there's a, a lot of rumors, a lot of conspiracy theories flying around. I'm just saying, somebody who shows signs of cognitive decline and admits that they have cognitive decline, if you're saying... I'm not as sharp as I used to be, I'm not as quick as I used to be, then you're admitting you're having cognitive decline. Is that the strong leader we want to project to the world? That's what I'm saying. Um, I think I'll end this, the end this here. End this cheer, cheer. Okay? Come at you with another video uh, momentarily. Alright, we're coming back for round number two. So... Colin Kaepernick, uh, 
uh, we've talked about he he damned the Fourth of July, right? He said that you know African Americans or black folks have been suppressed, oppressed, repressed, and so on and so forth by America. And so why should we, why should African Americans celebrate this racist holiday? Well, I can tell you, Colin, this is why. When, well, let me back the truck up a little bit. When Frederick Douglass wrote the speech that Colin Kaepernick wrote, quoted in his tweet, the Civil War hadn't happened yet. I did a little research. Um, I googled Frederick Douglass' Fourth of July speech. This is the date on which he read the speech. It says, on July 5th, Douglas, or pardon me, I forgot the year, that's pretty important. On July 5th, 1852, nine years before the Civil War began, okay, folks? On July 5th, 1852, Douglas gave a speech at an event commemorating the signing of the Declaration of Independence held at Roger, or Rochester's Corinthian Hall. It was a biting oratory in which the speaker told his audience, The 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. And uh, there's a link in the description on YouTube. Uh, uh, by the way, the channel on YouTube is called Panic Attack. For those of you listening on the podcast and other platforms, uh, this is Panic Attack with Big John. Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, on Facebook, On Facebook, I post as John Morrow, a conservative op-ed page. So, nine years before the Civil War... Frederick Douglass was correct. I'm not going to argue with that. If uh, black people were in slavery and bondage, they were not free and they were not independent. Now, nine years later, the Union, led by Lincoln, uh, declared war on the South, led by uh, Jefferson Davis. Therefore, you have your Civil War starting in 1861. Uh, April 12th, 1861 is what this article has. And there's a link to it in the description. It's from History, the History Channel, or History as it's called now. Outbreak of the Civil War. Even as Lincoln took office in March of 1861, Confederate forces threatened the Federal-held Fort Sumner in Charleston, South Carolina. On April 12th, after Lincoln ordered a fleet to resupply Sumter, Confederate artillery fired the first shots of the Civil War. So, Frederick Douglass was correct. On the 4th of July, 1776, America was not a totally free state, free country, 
free union, however you want to call it. Now, doesn't mean that after the Civil War was fought and the slaves were freed, that black people shouldn't celebrate that. It was the Declaration of Independence and, you, and Lincoln's steadfastness to hold you know, those truths to be self-evident, all men are created equal, and the fight that all men are equal under the law, that's what the Civil War was fought for. Okay, that's why, you know, men died. One of the bloodiest wars we've ever fought uh, per capita. Um, you know, the number of men who died. More may have died in World War II or World War One, But for, you know, America versus America, uh, it was our bloodiest conflict. Uh, <clears throat> What's the only America versus America conflict unless you take into consideration the uh, many civil war we're having right now. But this is what the, the prerequisite that Kaepernick doesn't include. Uh, you know, slavery has been long over, dude. Uh, it was a horrible horrible thing. It was the norm around the world at the time. There are countries in the world right now where there is still slavery. In fact, let me look them up for you real quick on Google. And India is home to the largest number of slaves globally, with 8 million, followed by China with 3.8 million, Pakistan with 3.19 million, North Korea 2.6 million, Nigeria 1.3 million, Iran 1.3 2.9 million, uh, Indonesia 2.2 million, Democratic Republic of the Congo 1 million, Russia with 794,000, uh, and then it goes into the Philippines and cuts off. Uh, I'll link this in the description for the YouTubers. Um, and uh, there's a whole article. The United States is not on that list, Colin. You know. And I'm not justifying slavery in the past with that remark. Just pointing out a fact to you, sweetie. So... There are a lot of links in the description to this video. So, is America as a whole racist? No. Is there room for improvement? Yeah, absolutely. Just saying. America is not, as a whole, racist. Uh, 
I certainly am not, although I'm sure some people that watch this video will accuse me of it. But here's my proposal to the situation. You know, Trump has his memorial park uh, to memorialize the great achievements of great Americans in many different facets from, uh, you know, the first civilian astronaut, Crystal McAuliffe, to George Washington, uh, to the great civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr., why don't we make Juneteenth a national holiday, right? The official end to slavery. Why don't we make Loving Day the day the Supreme Court overturned the Virginia law against interracial marriages where uh, Mr. Loving, a white man, wanted to marry his black fiance? So we can add to our calendar, and there's already a bill in the Ohio legislature to make June 19th or Juneteenth a statewide holiday. So we can make those official holidays, close the banks, close the post office, close the government offices, and use it as a tool to educate people. Uh, it's far more educational than kneeling for a flag and a national anthem that black people have fought and died for. And yes, there were black regiments in every American war, the Civil War, uh, there were blacks uh, involved in the Revolutionary War on both sides. Uh, yes, uh, the British government did recruit some black folks to black slaves to their side because they thought the slaves thought that the Brits would free them if they won the war. Um, that's another video in itself. But, you know, there were black regiments in the Civil War, like I said. Uh, the movie Glory, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but it's an awesome movie about um, a black Civil War unit, and uh, they're led by Ferris Bueller. So, he's quite the, <laughs> quite the uh, time traveler, that Ferris Bueller. Goes from... Stealing his friend's dad's Ferrari to uh, leading a black Union brigade in the Civil War. And so, that's one holiday. Juneteenth, the, the official end of slavery. Uh, when the last slaves were set free in Texas. You could have Loving Day. Wouldn't that be great? Where we, you know, now we know the official day when the Supreme Court uh, said that, you know, African-American men and women could interracially marry. Friend of mine, uh, my, my brother practically, uh, you know, his mom and dad are an interracial couple and uh, they used to go on, you know, like local TV um we live near Pittsburgh, and they were on TV talking about, you know, interracial relationships um, as late as the 1980s or 90s, uh, you know. And my buddy, you know, who's biracial, married a, a white woman. No, I don't care, you know. I mean, uh, and then his cousin, who's, uh, I wouldn't say pure African, nobody's purely one ethnicity or another anymore, but, uh, you know, his cousin, who's a good friend, practically my cousin, um, it, uh, he married a white woman, you know, and, you know, I've had, I'm in a relationship with a Latina chick right now, Latina broad, 
Oh no, she she's a little cutie sweetheart. Um, way the hell out of my league. And so, you know, this the idea that you couldn't, you know, intermarry within the races was absolutely ludicrous. And so why shouldn't we celebrate Loving Day as a holiday of, you know, the end of that uh, oppression, segregation, whatever you want to call it, of the races with, you know, laws, ignoramus laws about who, who you can and cannot marry based on the color of their skin. This would go much further than, you know, an idiotic tweet by Colin Kaepernick or, you know, the fact that he kneeled during the national anthem after he got benched, after he lost his starting position on the football team. Uh, you know, th those things would go a lot further. And that's just my idea. I, I take it or leave it, love it or hate it, whatever. Whatever. But, you know... Yeah, let's let's make a little noise. Let's shake things up in America. Let's add a few more holidays to the calendar. You know, celebrate and educate. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. got his holiday. Um, you know, we have Black History Month, which I don't... You know, I, I used to like it as a kid. I liked it because we got to learn different things in school. And you had all these, you know... Uh, posters and pictures on the wall. But, you know, black history is American history. And we need to integrate it into the textbooks. Now, I haven't read a, a high school, uh, elementary school, junior high, whatever, textbook since I was in school. But, you know, black history is American history and should be taught right along. You know, there shouldn't be a, a black history and a, an American history. It's all American history. So that's how uh, I think we need to approach it. Uh, and I think, you know, that could go some ways to educating, you know, the white people that don't know things and don't understand, uh, especially the white liberals. Malcolm X has such a great description and quote about white liberals or a story uh, you just got to see it for yourself. Uh, but, you know, this this is where we are now. Um, in, in America. And I think it's time that some things do need rattled. Some cages need rattled. Some things need shaked up. And, uh, you know, let, let's do some things here. Let's educate some peeps. Uh, let's, you know, bring people together, not, you know, divide people. So uh, with that, I will say God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I will see you the next time on Panic Attack with Big John. Thank you very, very much for listening.